0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Yes, this isn't Jesse next to me. It's my faithful bride, Mary Danielle, Hi, everybody. who does the Bible with the Barbers every Friday. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be doing a biblical worldview of work, which will be an interesting topic right after the Terry and Jesse show tomorrow. Mary Danielle, we have a, a great topic today. I think it's the ultimate question is how do we get to heaven, salvation, forgiveness? So we're going to talk about the advantages of a frequent confession. And the priest, Father uh, Bauer, he's a Benedictine priest, and he's written a book from Sophia Press on this topic of frequent confession. And so we're going to cover that, but we, uh, I think we could do two or three segments on it because if it benefits you going to confession more frequently, then I believe we've been successful at, with this. Amen. But uh, I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think, success stories of people who are living out their Catholic faith. Amen. And residents of a Texas city successfully squashed the pro-LGBT diversity, inclusion, government proposals. <laughs> so basically, they said, not on my watch. We're Christians, and we don't want uh, that diversion. So I, I, that's a good story. It's over at LifeSite News. You can read about it. Another quick note, um, the, the nurses up in uh, Ontario, Canada, Many of them are leaving Canada because of the restrictions regarding COVID-19 to come to work in America, and in Canada there's a huge increase of of uh, bankruptcies right now because they shut everything down, and the I call it the collateral damage was far worse than COVID-19, and also I just want to bring this up because it's now law, Uh, this new inflation bill that was signed by President Biden. Uh, is very well seriously deceptive, and it's going to leave Americans poorer. Uh, This is what this article is pointing out. But not just that. The money is funding abortions again. It seems like President Biden will do everything he can to ensure that the unborn will not be born. So we pray for his conversion. And, you know, another good story is um, (laughs) the CDC COVID guidelines. They threw out the quarantine. They, uh, they allow for the benefits of natural immunity. The things that the COVID, that the CDC is saying now are things that we said two years ago that got us kicked off social media. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you see how, uh, you know, what's going on here? Is this microphone on? Really? <laughs> uh, and I think I mentioned in Canada, for Canada, bankruptcies are skyrocketing, inflation, high interest rates, and we're not far behind them. As a matter of fact, I told my wife, I still have a real estate background, and I found out that in the last year, we have a 700 percent increase of foreclosures in America. What, wow! Just for that benefit, what's a foreclosure? That means people are losing, losing their homes. homes. And so, yes, the market's going to crash. And um, you know, my suggestion is don't buy a house until it crashes. Now, stay stay low because yeah. it's coming. High rates. This is how it works. Um, also, I wanted to just give one more good stand-up for the Chicago Community uh, Institute for Christ the King. That was that priest who preached on the on the um, benefit of receiving Holy Communion um, at, where you need to prepare yourself, and I played it on the Bishop Strickland Hour and also Terry and Jesse. Well, they're being told they can't have their liturgy, and the families that are there are just protesting, and what I find very interesting is even Protestant Churches that are next door to their church are going, why are they doing this to you guys? You you have a great community. You got lots (laughs) of kids. You're growing. Uh, We don't get it. And, you know, sometimes our scandals in our church just reach over to scandals in the world. People are acting, well, why would you do that? Last thing before we get to the soul food is they judge temporary blocks COVID vac mandate for Air Force members seeking a religious exemption. So we're getting more and more uh, fight back regarding the COVID. And I think as we find out that COVID isn't as terrible as we thought, uh, we are starting to realize that we overreacted and that the collateral damage was far worse, far worse than, than the, disease. the disease. Mary Danielle, I'm going to read the Gospel of Matthew for today. And then Mary has a biblical studies. She's, uh, she's gone to John Paul II and got her degree in biblical studies. And she does the Bible with the barbers, so she has uh, done quite a bit of research, and she also teaches a Bible study here at our chapel. So here's the gospel. So let's get some soul food, Mary. Here we go. Gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 to 14. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent another servant, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and my fattened cattle are killed. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, oh boy, destroy those murderers and bury their city. Hmm. Then the king said to the servants, the feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast, whoever you find. The servants went out to the streets, gathered all they found, bad, good, and alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind his hands and feet. Cast him out into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. We could spend the whole hour talking about this gospel. We sure could. <laughs> the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Christ. Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. And, I, you know, here you have the wedding feast. And again, Father pointed out at Mass this morning, he said, mm-hmm. you know, don't forget yesterday's parable Will you have, you know, the, the owner of the vineyard goes out and he hires people to work in his vineyard all throughout the day. Yep. You know, the morning, mid-morning, afternoon, mid-afternoon, and then in the evening, so that there are men who only work for an hour in the vineyard and everybody gets the same pay. And so some people might be jealous. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and, and the reality is, is, is part of this is the mercy of God and that he invites everyone. Now, God invites everyone. And the deal is, 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 is he going to save everyone? Well, it, if you look at these gospels, it's like, maybe, maybe not. And, and here, especially in today's gospel, what happens? Well, you have the wedding feast and the king is giving a wedding feast. Now, I guess the practice, what what the commentator says, the the practice was that the king would say, okay, my son's getting married. I'll let you know the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So be ready because I'm going to invite you. And the day I invite you, leave everything else aside and you can come to my palace and enjoy a feast because my son's celebrating my Mm -hmm. son's marriage. So so finally he sends out the notice that the the day has come, come. And the people make excuses. The people are invited. And of course, you know, he invites the influential citizens first. They're well, I, I'm busy. I have work to do. I have this to do. I have that to do. I, um, you know, and then, he, so he sends out more servants to say, it's it's time, come. And some of them go so far as to kill the servants and mistreat them, abuse them. And so the king is just, oh, well, you gosh, that was a terrible <laughs> way to act. So, well, but we're just peaceful people and we're never going to do anything violent. And so um, I'll just let it go. But I'm going to go invite someone else. No, actually, he sends his troops out to kill those people (laughs) and burn their cities. Wow. Whoa, peaceful Jesus. Peaceful Jesus who never said anything about, no, our Lord is not promoting violence. What he's talking about is this analogy of the spiritual life and sin. The reality is, is that if we reject God, what's waiting for us is hell for all eternity. Yep. And you know what? God will let us make that choice because he wants us to freely love him. It's free will. So, you know, consider the wedding feast. or What, mm-hmm. what is a, a, a love feast? So God's inviting us to love him. And if we refuse to love him, well, what's the option? The option is to reject him. You know, it's interesting. God loves all of his creatures. And the question isn't whether or not we love God's. I mean, it's not whether or not God loves us. God loves everyone. God loves, by the way, I, he does. He loves the devils because God is love and he can only love. The only thing he hates is sin. He never hates the creatures that he made, but he hates the sin. Sin is not a creature. He didn't make sin. It's evil. It's a rejection of God. Mm. So he can hate sin and we should hate sin. Yeah. So it, it, the de- God's love for the devil doesn't change the devil. Because the devil didn't respond in love. And it's the same with us. God's love cannot change us if we're not willing to respond and accept that love. So what what does he do? What does the king do? He sends his servants out to go out into the highways and the byways and bring in everyone, good Mm -hmm. and bad, that you meet. So they come, and at the door, then this is another part the commentators tell us, is that in those days, if you invited someone who was, you know, not a property person or a person of influence, then you're inviting the poor. Well, then you're going to provide for them the proper garments.
0: Mary, let me jump in. We're going to have to take a break, and I want to continue on this issue of the gospel because it's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the way Bishop Sheen says that the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. So you're talking about free will here. Free will. So we're going to come back with more on the gospel of matthew that we're reading from and then we're going to get into the advantages of frequent confession and i think that uh yes so we'll have much more for your soul today and um stay with us family because i think these advantages of frequent confession where the benefits are out of this world what do i mean by that (laughs) Heaven! heaven stay with us family thanks again for joining us staying with us here on virgin most powerful radio
2: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Welcome back. Jesse's not here, but I wouldn't be sitting this close to Jesse if he was here. He'd be in the other studio. But since my wife's here, I said, come on in. I like being close to her. We're, We're talking about the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 1 to 14. It's the invite of the wedding feast. And so Mary, why don't you finish that up and then we'll get into Bishop Sheen. So we were we're
1: talking about the, the king has invited these people. Um, when it's time for the wedding, they're not they're not willing to let go of their other things and they're they they do not come. But mm-hmm. some of them some of them don't just excuse themselves, they're they murder his his servants mm-hmm. or mistreat them. And so he sends his troops to destroy them. And so he invites everybody who's you go out into the highways and byways and find anyone and bring them in, and, and again, these people, someone comes to you, some stranger walks up to you and says, look, and, and they, you know, there's a the servant of the king, but it's like, the king wants you to come to the palace. And, and it, you know, some peasant it's like, well, wait a minute, Should it, you, are you willing to let go of everything? Let go of everything mm-hmm. and just trust that yes, this is really an invitation from the king, and I wanna come. And this is what the Lord is pointing out. And so the people come. And when they come, because they're poor, they he provides them with a proper wedding garment. So when the king comes in finally, there's one man there who doesn't have the proper wedding garment. Mm. Well, what does that mean? That means, yes, he accepted the king's invitation, but he's coming on his terms. Mm. He's not going to come on the king's terms. The king provided for him at the door through his servants the proper wedding garment, and he refused it. And so... The Lord is asking us, are we willing to let go of everything of this earth in order to choose Him? Are, you know, the first group of people, they had to let go of their business and their transactions and whatever they were doing when the king said, it's time for the wedding. It's time to put everything else aside and come. And that's what happens to us. You know, and by the way, in a sense, this is the call to eternal life. The Lord will come for us at some point. Our exit interview is like, okay, I'm calling you home. Are we willing to let go of everything in this earth? And you know, if we're attached to the things of this earth, it's going to be much harder to let go of them. That's why little by little, day by day, we're supposed to live in the presence of God, be conscious of the fact that God is always present to us and try and always be present to him and being let go we're letting go of myself my own preconceived notions, my wanting to control everything, my wanting to to determine and like the man who came in without a wedding garment, yeah, I'll come to the King's Banquet, but I'm coming on my terms. No, I have to let go and say, Lord, I will come on your terms. And I remember once having this discussion with a man several times when I was younger. I was a younger woman and the discussion was, well, he, he, the man would say, it's God's will that I have my own will. And I, yes, absolutely, it's God's will. that He gave you free will because he wants you. Now, I didn't think at the time because he wants you to love. In order to love, you have to be free. But he wants you to freely surrender your will to him to accomplish his will, to embrace his will, and to conform yourself to his will. And and the guy could never get to that point. It was always, no, he wants, his will is that I have my will. His will is that I have my will. And say, yes, yes, as well as. But you're not to come into the wedding feast refusing to do it the king's way.
0: There you go. Well, let's bring in, oh, before I bring in Bishop Sheen, Mary Danielle, you have the Bible with the Barbers every every Friday after the Terry and Jesse show. And we're going to be covering a biblical worldview of work. So let's do that. All right, I heard that whistle. Full Sheen ahead. Full Sheen ahead. Mary, this is one of my favorite sayings of Fulton Sheen because it ties right into Our Lady of Fatima, the gospel, and it's the power of prayer. Here's what Bishop Sheen says. Every soul in the world has a price tag on it. Mm. And since many cannot or will not pay the price themselves, others must do it for them. There is probably no other way to account for the conversions of some souls than the fact that in this world, as in the next, their parents, their relatives, or friends interceded to God and won for them the prize of everlasting life. Amen. Wow. And you know, like I said, it ties it into Our Lady saying that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I mean... You know, whether you make a little sacrifice of saying it's extra prayer for the poor souls in purgatory. See, the mystical body is so big that there's never uh, not a demand for prayer for the the living and the dead.
1: Amen. And I just just want to make a recommendation for a book that kind of plays this out. True story. In the Shadow of His Wings. You can get it at Ignatius Press. You can probably find a, you know, whatever. Uh, But Ignatius Press republished the book. In the Shadow of His Rings, Father Grian Goldman, inc- incredible testament to this reality yeah. that somebody's praying yeah, and that it's, it's played out in that book. You yeah, it's a read great
0: it. one. 300 karma-like nuns were praying for him. It's a great, great story. You'll want to hear it. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the advantages of frequent confession. Now, this article, uh, again, is talking about a book that's published by Sophia Press, Father Bauer, and uh, it's about a, a frequent confession. Frequent confession, its place
1: in the spiritual
0: life. Amen. Now, the prophet, you know, the prophet of, of, confessional, of, of confession of venial sins now comes from all else, from the fact that when we go to confession, we receive a sacrament. Remember, St. John Paul too was asked, how often should you go to confession? Once a month at least. Well, The forgiveness of sin takes place by the power of this sacrament. Everybody knows that. But did you know by the power of Christ himself in the sacrament of penance, says the Council of Trent, back in 1570, the merits of the death and of Christ are applied to those who have sinned after baptism. It should be noted, too, that it is not upon the sins committed themselves that the actions of the sacraments fall. But here it comes, cash value, rather upon our interior aversion of heart from sin. Isn't that beautiful? It is this that the power of the sacrament takes hold of us as if it were and elevates in order to unite us to God through grace. And what is grace? The life of God in us. Mary, this next part is what is gold. We're going to continue. Since it is.
1: Since it is exclusively venial sin that is in question here, he's not talking about mortal sin. Now, you have to confess mortal sins Mm -hmm. in the sacrament of confession to have them forgiven right? Okay, under normal circumstances. But he's talking about devotional confession, as John Paul II said, Mm -hmm. devotional confession, the confession of venial sins in the sacrament of confession. A new life of grace, as in the case, yeah, okay, it is, it is, since it is exclusively venial sin that is in question here, the grace bestowed by confession is not, as in the case of mortal sin is confessed, when mortal sin is confessed. Right, making
0: the distinction.
1: A new life of grace, the state of grace. For instance, when we commit mortal sin, we lose the state of grace. So mm-hmm. when we go to confession, we're restored to the state of grace. Right. We're restored to friendship with God. That's not what happens in venial sin. Exactly. Okay? Okay. Rather, it is the strengthening and deepening of the spiritual life already existing in the soul.
0: Supernatural life, And an
1: increase Mm -hmm. of love of God. Right on. In these circumstances, the sacrament is primarily positive in its effects. It strengthens the supernatural life of the soul, increases sanctifying grace, and along with this, gives actual graces that stimulate our will to acts of love of God and of contrition for our sins. Such sentiments of love tend to uproot venial sins and cast them out of the soul, just as light dispels and does away
0: with darkness. That's a revelation to most of us, I think. When was the last time Folks, you've heard something like that on venial sin. This is why it's so important to get the confession on a regular basis.
1: Right. And again, you can think of confession and, and, and venial sin. Now, granted, venial sin doesn't kill the life of God in your soul. And I remember them teaching us in grammar school, no number of venial sins could ever equal a mortal sin. right? Granted, okay? But the saints gave this analogy. You can tie a bird down with a string mm-hmm. or you can chain him with a chain. The chain was mortal sin. The string is venial sin but he can't fly either way. So yeah, the chain, mortal sin, really keeps him from even moving around much. Mm-hmm. And the venial sin, I mean, the, the, the string lets him move a little bit, but he still can't fly, he can, still can't soar. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but another analogy of this is with the soul. What is confession? It's the bath for the soul, yes. right? Yes. So now if you're dead in sin, it's life for the soul. It brings you back to life. It's resurrection for the soul. If you commit mortal sin, you go to confession, you're truly sorry for your sins, you've made a firm purpose of amendment, then you're brought back to life. But when you commit venial sins, the soul gets dirty. It gets stained. It gets, it, it, remember, sin does what? Makes you stupid. Darkens the intellect. <laughs> it makes yeah. you stupid. Yeah. It also... Makes you weak. It weakens your will. That's true. A- and and it makes you ugly. Yep. Because it distorts the the even venial sin. It distorts the image of God in us. So, people, some people think they only need to go to confession once a year. All right. What if I were to say to you, "Look, I'm only going to take a bath once a year." You know, there was a joke up in the country about the farmers up in the cold country. You know, that the, the, the old men who were who were bachelors, they would say, "Look, I took a bath." Uh, you know, before winter set in and I'll take a bath next spring
0: mm.
1: when, the, when this, when it gets warm again, you know, but don't bother me in between. Okay. What if I would say to you, I'm only going to take a bath once a year. Yeah. Are you going to hang around me? <laughs> Not for very long. Okay. Well, let's say I'm only taking about, I'm taking bath twice a year. Um, Some people go to confession twice a year, Easter and Christmas. What, what about even, you know, you know, every three months, if we, we wouldn't, consider doing that with our bodies. Why? What happens? Our skin is the largest organ in our body. If we don't take care of it on a daily basis, it becomes diseased and it actually affects the whole body. Well, guess what? Our soul gets dirty with sin and venial sins and, and, and they weaken our, 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 our will. They darken our intellect. And so we want to, again, what Father says here, it the sentiment of love, we want to increase the sentiment of love and we we have the right to hate only one one thing it's not a thing but one and that is sin to hate what god hates and god hates sin so we hate sin so we want to root it even venial sin we want to root it out of our lives because again it keeps us from seeing god as truly the only true good that we should choose
0: absolutely and we're going to cover father's article when he says the value of confession Venial sin lies furthermore in this, that the power of the sacrament not merely blots out these sins, but it also undoes their evil consequences in the soul more fully than in the case when venial sins are forgiven outside confession.
1: And we want to acknowledge here that, yes, venial sins can be forgiven outside of confession. What were we taught? Mm -hmm. When you sign yourself with the Holy Cross you know by the with the with with holy water by this holy water lord jesus and by your sacred passion cleanse me from all of my sins and all attachment to sin and renew in me the grace of my baptism it can remove venial sins the, the act the penitential rite at the beginning of mass it removes venial sins going to communion in the state of grace removes venial sins we ask the lord but it doesn't have that
0: the consequence in the soul That you get when you go to confession. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those consequences and the value of going to confession. Why is that different? Right. It's fascinating. Father's done a great job sharing the good news about the power of confession. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I love to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. So stay with us, family, for more on Confession.
2: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Actually, it's Terry and Mary. And uh, for those who just tuned in, we're talking about a great article called The Advantage of Frequent Confession, talking about venial sin, talking about devotions uh, to um, Devotional devotional confession, This is all an awesome thing. Just to bring us right back to it, we, we talked about confession as a greater part of temporal punishment due to them and in, in, is forgiven than would be outside the sacrament with the same sentiments. So here's what we're talking about. I'm going to catch it where we are at. Uh, especially the sacrament of penance cures the soul from the weakness that follows venial sin. This is what we want to repeat. I'll repeat it a fourth time. No, a third time. But especially the sacrament of penance cures the soul from the weakness that follows venial sin, from the we, uh, weariness and coldness towards the things of God, and the inclination towards the worldliness that venial sin brings in. It delivers the soul from its reawakened, inordinate inclinations, instincts, and from uh, dominations of concupiscence, and all this by the sacrament of power by the power of Christ himself. This is it when we get to the confessional. Moreover, the confession of venial sins gives the soul, here it comes, folks, an interior freshness, a new aspiration, and an impetus towards self-surrender to God. And isn't that what it's all about in the spiritual life? Towards the cultivation of the supernatural life, results that are not usually produced at all when venial sin is forgiven outside the confession.
1: So Father is encouraging us to go to frequent confession because in frequent confession, he says the very important advantage of the confession of venial sins is that as a rule, our examination of conscience and especially our acts of contrition and of purpose of amendment and of resolution, which are absolutely necessary for the sacrament, to atone and do penance are much more carefully made when we go to confession than in the case of the extra sacramental forgiveness of sins by well as we said earlier by the, you know the pious aspiration mm-hmm. or the use of holy water or holy communion yeah, venial sins can be forgiven outside of the sacrament of confession but when we make that examination of conscience and again an essential part of confession that's often missed mm-hmm. is that reality that we need to make a firm purpose of amendment yep we need to make a firm purpose to break with sin and to live in god's grace in his presence and to remain faithful to him and united to his will. So when we go to the sacrament of confession, all of these things become much more um, vivid and alive in our heart and mind and soul so that we are more attuned to the will of God and we're less likely to sin in the future because we recognize how offensive sin is to God.
0: Right. Well, the closer we get, the more we see that. The article talks about, we know quite well that in effect, it needs to formulate properly the accusation of our sins from the priest and how intent we must be to elicit a good act of contrition. See, that's the difference when you're going to confession. And the purpose of amendment, like Mary just talked about, and to form the intentions to do our penance and atone for our sins. We must consciously and set purposely apply ourselves to making these acts well.
1: Right. and And, and this, again— Sin is in the will. It's not in the body. Right. I don't go to confession to make myself feel good. And this happens oftentimes. I do something, and maybe it wasn't even really a sin, but I, I made a mistake, and I feel horrible about it. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I'm just humiliated, or it caused some discomfort to someone else, and I feel bad. So I want to go to confession so I feel better. No. Sacrament of confession is not an emotional crutch. I go to confession to confess sin. Sin is in the will. Did I choose knowingly to do something that I knew was evil and and freely choose it? And if I did, then I sinned. And then I have to stand before the Lord, whether I feel bad or not. What's interesting is oftentimes we make a mistake. We're embarrassed. we you know, And then we feel bad. And it wasn't really a sin. Mm-hmm. But we do something sinful, and we don't feel bad at all about it. Like well, that was pretty fun. That was that was enjoyable. <sighs> Wait a minute, <laughs> you know, it, it's not how we feel about it in our emotions. It's about was this action against the law of God or against the law of charity toward my neighbor? Deliberately, you know. Sometimes people is like, oh, well, I yelled at my sister, and it's like, well, yeah, she stepped on my toe, and she was standing on my toe, and I sorry, I screamed at her because it was hurting so bad. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes a lot to be able to have, and I, I saw somebody do this one time. A horse stepped on their toe. They were wearing sandals and they were holding a child in their arms. I was shocked. The young woman, she I don't know, she was in her mid-twenties maybe and she didn't scream. She simply looked at the the young man who was standing there who was, had control of the horse and said, move the horse, he's on my toe because she didn't want to scare the child. Mm. She, she let the man know you have to move the horse. She had a broken toe, one or two, I can't remember how many and I was shocked. I was like, how can you not scream? I would have, without even thinking, I would have screamed. And, and, and it's yeah, that would have scared the child and whatever, but it wouldn't have been a sin if I'd have screamed. Yeah, you may feel bad, but that's not a sin. So again, it's not an emotional crutch. So so for these acts of interior aversion, we, we need these acts of interior aversion from our faults. They're required not only, not merely as a psychological predisposition for the reception of the sacrament of penance, they're essential constitution of the sacrament okay they're essential constitutional parts of the sacrament why they are necessary for the very existence of the sacrament and the measure of the effects of the sacrament which are the increase of divine life and the remission of sins is determined by them we cannot be attached to sin and have the sin forgiven we have to renounce the sin and make a firm purpose of amendment that's what father's referring to here without that there's no forgiveness of sin.
0: Right. That's important to know because some people can go into a confession thinking that their sins are forgiven when it's a fake confession. In other words, a mock-up one where they didn't want to really, they just did it because their parents told them to go to confession.
1: Right. And they're not really serious about confessing their sins or right. giving up the sinful behaviors. Right. 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 Continue. So Father goes on, he, he, he says that apart from the sacrament of matrimony, penance is the most personal sacrament. Mm-hmm. What does he mean by that? The personal disposition of the penitent, okay, this is what he's referring to, the personal disposition of the penitent, his personal expression of sorrow, of accusation of sin, and of a desire to atone for it are absolutely necessary for this sacrament. We have to confuse, confess, excuse me, accuse ourselves honestly of our sin. Don't hide sin from God in confession, Now, in the case of mortal sin, if you were going to confession and deliberately hide a mortal sin, you've made a sacrilegious confession, and the sin is not forgiven, and now you've committed a sacrilege, okay? In the case of venial sin, if we hide them because we're embarrassed, you know, it's one thing if you don't remember, okay, if you've honestly forgotten, but if you're deliberately hiding sin, even venial sin, it's not going to help you to hide it. The Lord already knows but am I willing to humble myself before God and say, Yes, God, I sinned against you? And I want to acknowledge that. This is personal. This is a personal act on my part. I need to engage my will in rejecting sin and my attachment to it. Its efficacy depends essentially on our personal attitude toward the sins we have committed and on our personal turning back to Christ and to God. Mm. In the sacrament of penance, these personal acts of penance of ours are elevated. They no longer remain purely personal, but are linked up with the suffering and death of Christ from which the power of the sacrament comes. That's powerful. And, you know, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Claude Newman was a a man who was... That's um, a good story. He was a prisoner in the 1950s in the United Mm -hmm. States of America, had been Mm -hmm. accused of, of doing something he didn't of deliberate murder when he actually was defending his wife ended up in jail because he was in the South. He was African-American. He killed a white man. um, But it was in defense of his wife. Anyways, he he one of the cellmates had a miraculous medal on and Claude was asking him about it. He thought it was just a good luck charm. And the man threw it down. Claude put it on. The Blessed Mother started appearing to him. Hmm. And so she told him to send for a priest. So the priest came and the priest didn't believe it at first, but Finally, you know, he said, well, I want to receive instruction and be baptized, receive into the church. And so the priest starts giving him instructions because he was coming on a regular basis to visit the prison, and he was giving instructions to the prisoners who wanted it. And so one day they get to the sacrament of confession, and Claude says, oh, I know what that is. She told me, she told me. Mm -hmm. Confession, what confession, you're sorry for your sins. You go to the foot of the cross, and you look at Jesus on the cross, and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins because my sins have hurt you, you who died for me. And, and you ask the Blessed Mother to help you because she's there with you. That's what she said. And, and, and Father's like, and Father Claude's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, Father. <laughs> no, no, no. That's it. We go to the foot of the cross. We look at the cross of Christ, and we say, Lord, my sins have done this to you. My sins, personal, my sins have caused you to suffer, and you love me, and you showed nothing but love for me, and I am so sorry, and I wish that I had never done it. You know, Father William gave the example of um, there was a Jane Francis de Chantelle was married. And I can't remember her husband's name, but they had a great marriage. It was a beautiful marriage, very godly marriage. And one day, her husband was out hunting with a friend, and they were hunting the boar. And um, the boar was running through the thicket, and and the the friend, caught, you know, got his gun ready, and he he turned to get the boar in the thicket. Only Christophe, his name was Christophe. He caught Christophe in the thigh with mm. with the the bullet. The bullet tore through the artery in Christoph's thigh. Mm. So he picks up this body and he has to take it back to Jean. Wow. And here he has to present her dying husband to her. Mm. And, and, and he said, Can you imagine the, the, just the rending of his heart, mm. wishing that he had never pulled that trigger? And this is the kind of contrition we want to pray for. This is what sin does to us and mortal sin particularly, but venial sin weakens us. And by the way, even though venial sin, no, no, the number of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin, huh, they predispose us to commit mortal sin right. if we don't make a break with them. If we don't do what Father's saying, make a firm purpose of amendment, I reject this sin, it's personal, I did this, I chose to do this, I need to renounce this, and I need to humble myself before God and admit And that's what he's talking about, the personal element. This is a very personal sacrament, but it receives its power from the sacrament. That means from
0: Christ. Amen. It is Christ on the cross who gives the power to the sacrament. And when we come back, we'll finish the article, The Advantage of Frequent Confession. I hope this is going to get all of us to get to confession soon or or sooner than later, right? Sooner than later. <laughs> all right. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. The last part of this article is very powerful. I think it's going to benefit you out of this world. Yep. Benefits are out of this world. Stay with us, family.
2: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: (laughs) Jesse will be back tomorrow. Mary Danielle sitting in with me talking about a book. Well, actually a book, but the article is called The Advantage of Frequent Confession. But the book by Father Bauer from the Sophia Institute is called Frequent Confession. It's Place in the spiritual life. You can't miss it because this is really good stuff. Now we're going to come into some really meaty stuff that I think really says it all. When he says, what we call the sacramental grace of the sacrament of penance, the grace that belongs to this sacrament is not given and cannot be given by any other sacrament, is sanctifying grace with a special power and the function of remedying the debility of a soul and the lack of vigor courage and energy caused by venial sin and strengthening the soul and removing, this is really important, removing the obstacles that the working of grace encounters in it. And again,
1: you know, earlier I used the analogy of a bath. Mm -hmm. So venial sin doesn't kill the soul, but it does weaken it. What did Father say here? It gives the soul um, a lack of vigor, courage and energy. Okay. So it makes us sick. Mm. uh, Would you not go to the doctor if you were sick? Preventative medicine. How many times do people end up with a terminal illness that could have been prevented had they gone to the doctor ahead of time? And, you know, so we can, again, this is what venial sin can do. Yeah. It doesn't equal mortal sin, but it weakens us and it makes us susceptible to mortal sin so that we do end up killing our souls. So we want to, this is the this, this specific sacramental grace of this sacrament, along with the sanctifying grace. Every sacrament we receive increases sanctifying, worthily, worthily, increases sanctifying grace in our soul. Mm-hmm. But it, it's going to re- remedy this debility of the soul and this lack of vigor and courage and energy. Okay? So then Father goes on to talk about Another advantage.
0: Important value of of frequent confession. Go ahead.
1: The important value, another important value is that our venial sins are confessed to the priest as a representative of the church and thus, in a sense, to the church itself, to the Christian community. It is true that a person who has committed venial sin remains a living member of the church, but his venial sin has offended not only against God and Christ and against the good of his own soul... He has also acted against the interest of the Christian community, the church. Amen. His sin is a spot and wrinkle on the garment of the bride of Christ. See Ephesians 5.27. An obstacle preventing the charity poured forth in the church by the Holy Ghost. Romans 5.5. From flowing freely to all of its members. You know, remember Jesus used the analogy of I am the vine and you are the branches? Well, if we're the branches, you know, if a branch, if if part of a branch gets broken or twisted, or the nourishment can't get through to the end of the branch, we don't know where we are in the vine, and we can be causing others to lose grace because we're not willing to give up our venial sins. This isn't talking about mortal sin, even venial sin. So, venial sin does a wrong to the community of Christians and is a failure in charity toward the church, in which alone are the sources of life and salvation for the Christian. Therefore, it can be atoned for in no better way Mm -hmm. than by being confessed to the representative of the church, absolved by him and expiated by the penance he imposes, which in the sacrament is all united to the infinite merits of Jesus Christ on the
0: cross." So this article is very very powerful and I think of of how what how we can apply this in our daily lives is obviously frequent the uh, sacrament of confession more often. And I would just encourage you we say that at the end of every show get the confession, pray your rosary, read your bible, make visits to the blessed sacrament. But I hope this really encourages you to realize the power of confession. And I think you know the the age we're living in right now I think Cardinal Seurat said it well that we've gotten our focus off. That's why I wanted this article to be presented. Yeah. Cardinal Seurat said this, that I'm afraid that we are tempted to build a human church according to the times and according to our ideas, but the church is not ours. And I think it's all about, we call this big word, ecclesiology. Right. What is the nature of the church? And the I the think church? there's been some confusion in the many years now where we see the church is like, well, let's make it a, um, a democracy or we're just going to vote things in for like these synods that are going all around the country. That's not the way Christ instituted his church. Truth mm-hmm. is not based on opinions. Right, it's not. And Jesus Christ
1: revealed the truth. And again, you have, you know, unfortunately, you have some theologians out there who say things like, well, you know, and and even at the highest level of the church now, you're hearing, well, you know, uh, we shouldn't exclude people from Holy Communion. We don't exclude anyone from Holy Communion. But the the Scripture makes it very, very clear. In 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 11, uh, 10 and 11, Paul talks about what is required if we're going to receive the body and blood of our Lord in Holy Communion. And we have to receive it worthily, Paul says, we have to discern that it is the body of Christ, and that if we're in the state of mortal sin, we're not worthy to receive it. Not not because uh, the church is excluding us, but because we have excluded ourselves, because by mortal sin, mm-hmm. by choosing to do a serious mortal moral evil willingly and with full knowledge, we have turned away from God, and we have to turn back to him and repent. And you can't, um, you know, it's interesting because in the letter of the Hebrews last Sunday, remember Hebrews 12, 1 through four, it says what? It says here we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Why? So that we may lay aside every encumbrance of sin and run the race and persevere. So we have to lay aside the encumbrance of sin that keeps us. Right. And it's not, the church is not the optimist club. It's not here to say, look, It's okay. Yes, it welcomes sinners. But remember, Jesus didn't just welcome sinners. He called them to repentance. What did he say when he first preached the gospel? The time of fulfillment has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. This entering into the kingdom of God demands conversion. Conversion from what? By original sin, we are turned away from God. And baptism doesn't take away concupiscence. It doesn't take away our tendency towards sin. We don't need the devil's help to sin. It's real easy because our intellect is weakened, our intellect is darkened, our will is weakened, and we're turned away from God. We have to reorient ourselves towards God and turn away from sin. You know, in Lent, what? turn away from sin and believe the gospel repent. or, you know, repent, turn away from sin and believe the gospel or remember man that thou art dust and unto dust thou shalt return. We will have to face God. Amen. We're going to die. Every one of us is going to die. Uh, I hope you were all sitting down.
2: <laughs> I forgot to you. I mean, there's an
1: expiration date. <laughs> there's an expiration date and none of us knows when that moment is coming. Mm-hmm. So always be living in the state of grace. And again, we can pray St. Joan of Arc's beautiful prayer, Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, please put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, please keep me there. And please grant me that holy hatred for sin. Amen. So that I will turn away from sin and turn back to you, Lord. And
0: I I hate to tell you this, but um, we should, and this is true, we should never worry about who will be offended if we speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. I relate that to sin. Because so many times now in our culture, we just say, well, you know, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want them to feel bad. Or I don't want want them to feel alienated from the church. Well, I have to tell you, and this is just my humble opinion, read it with young people or everybody. They're looking for the truth and they're waiting for someone to boldly just speak it and proclaim the biblical teachings of Christ. And I think what's happened in our culture is and now this is a strong statement, but we have a lot of baptized Christians running around as atheists. What do I mean by that? They don't believe they don't and believe. we don't want we're not encouraging them to come back. we're not giving them reasons to come back right We're saying, well, that's okay, Mikey Mary, whatever your name is, you know uh God who might just the way you are yeah see this is what we do at virgin most powerful radio and i want to just make this pitch right now at the end we've got some benefactors who are doing matching funds up to ten thousand dollars we mm. can do matching funds if you would like to donate money go to vmpr.org or you can even call me on my cell phone i'd love taking calls when people say they want to make a donation <laughs> if you Have a question too i'll take those i've been doing this for 20 some years on the radio and uh giving my cell number out, so you know be getting you know there might be a few other calls coming but i'll get it. I'll get you my number is six six one area code nine seven two seven eight seven two so that means if you give a hundred dollars, that becomes two hundred dollars amen and if you like what we're doing, this isn't you know uh this isn't the nice city uh, what do they call it uh, balloons and banners Catholicism. Okay. This is straight talk Catholicism. We're not giving you Mary's opinion, my opinion. Yeah. We're giving you, as Father said, what the church teaches right. about one of the greatest sacraments. And let's be honest, only 2% of Catholics go to confession once a month. Monsignor just gave me that statistic.
1: And that's tragic. Because that's tragic. It that is absolutely tragic. We can't, you know, God is love. And God loves his enemies. He loves Satan. But it doesn't change Satan's place in hell, does it? Because Satan rejected God. Yeah. So yeah, God loves the sinner, but he tells you repent. He tells all of us repent. We're not condemning anyone. You know, no, we're we're calling all of us to repentance. It doesn't matter what your sin is, God can forgive you. Do we believe in grace? And I Amen. saw this when I was studying my undergraduate work at USF and some of the moral theologians mm-hmm. and they just they don't say they deny grace, but they don't believe that the grace of God can help us to overcome sin in our life. Well, read the lives of the saints people. If you want to know what it means to be fully Catholic, Read the lives of the saints and read their writings. read their writings because they will talk to you about their struggles against
0: sin. And I want they
1: overcame it I want to remind grace. you when
0: I said 2%, those are Catholics going to church on Sundays. yeah It's far less from baptized Catholics right right so why do we did why did we do this show for this reason? You get the podcast, share it with your friends. If you can get someone to get back to confession, wow, save a soul. what does the book of James say? To save your own soul, right?
1: If you save a soul, you will save. Yes. So love covers the multitude of sins, and God will say it will save your soul if you bring another back to Christ.
0: Jesse will be back, Mary. I'll ask you the question: What state should we be living in? The state of grace. Yeah, you think? After talking for three quarters of an hour about penance and confession, wow. Lord, Lord, keep us in the state of grace. Remember Our Lady of Fatima. Pray the Rosary. Amen. And remember. You can make those sacrifices Souls are going to hell Because no one is there To make sacrifices for them Please join in Pray your rosary Make acts of love And sacrifices throughout the day May God richly bless you And Dr. Sandoval is up next here On Virgin Most Powerful Radio May God richly bless you And your family